Hello. So I was busy getting some awesome prayer back there. <laughs> they were like, ooh, that's my cue. I got to go. Um, I am very passionate about women's health, but that is not what I'm here to speak to you about this evening. So gentlemen, relax. Um, I'm here to speak to you on the gift of encounter. Um, and when Jordan uh, asked me to do this a few weeks ago, you know, I usually prepare for talks and I think about them and I pray about them for a few weeks, but usually I don't get much about them until the day of. But this go-round, about three weeks ago when they asked me, you know, I really was strongly convicted that the Lord wanted to speak very simply. Um, and the theme was supposed to be, I am. And I'm not talking about me, hint, hint, right? And so I was drawn to read from Exodus. I'm going to read this passage to you. Um, because I think it's really important to kind of set the scene for us of what we're talking about this evening. You know, so often I think in this culture we're very used to meeting people, having acquaintances, and you're in a college campus and it's wonderful because you get to interact with a bunch of different people, um, and that's really exciting and that's really wonderful. But there's something to the word encounter, right? When we encounter someone, if it's a true encounter, that's something that takes us deeper than just the superficial, right, the surface level. And I don't need to have a doctorate to know that each and every one of us in this room, what we desire more than anything else is encounter, right? You want to be seen. You want to be known. You want to be chosen. And I'm here to affirm for you that those are not only good desires, but those are desires that were actually planted within your very heart by God himself. Now, the way that I want to explain this to you, though, is to read to you from the book of Exodus, Really simply, it's this passage where, and you probably recall, when Moses encounters the burning bush, right? You probably in vacation Bible school, you did something really silly about fire in a bush, and Moses saying hello, and he takes his sandals off, right? But this one verse I really wanted to call to mind for you. And he, meaning God, said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. He hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And I would argue that most of us here, when we are actually put in front of God, we are very tempted to hide. That might be for different reasons for each of us, but I would say that for some of us, it's either because what we've done, or maybe it's because what's been done to us, right? And I'm here to tell you tonight that this passage I'm reading from the Old Covenant, this is the Old Covenant. What we have is the gift of the new covenant, the gift of Jesus Christ incarnate, God becoming man to present himself to us, tangibly, physically. Tonight, what you're going to have the gift to do is really because I get to have this gift of bringing you to the Eucharist and saying, here it is, enjoy. But truly, if you forget my words, it doesn't really matter because you will be encountering the God-man very shortly. And that God-man who's been made tangible for you to access through your senses, you can see him, you can taste him, you can touch him. He wants to change your lives. But he's not typically going to do it in this very flashy way that we're expecting, right? We are so used to things happening super fast, and we enjoy them happening super fast. We think that that's a confirmation of God's will if it's exciting and it's thrilling. Sometimes a confirmation of God's will are those things that are actually slow and patient, and in the end, much deeper that we can even access with our minds, right? In Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and rely not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall make straight your paths. Rely not on your own understanding. Now, 
Uh, I'll admit to you, apparently I've been given a gift of intelligence. Yes, I'm grateful for that. But that intelligence can sometimes be something that gets in the way between me and God. Because I think that if I'm going to test him and to understand him, I need to intellectually access what he's doing in my life. When the reality is that sometimes I'm given the gift of intellectual understanding. Sometimes you are going to be given that gift. But sometimes you will have no idea what is going on, and that does not mean that you are outside of his will. Did you hear me? I want you to really think about that. Too often, especially when we're in the beginning of our, our relationship with the Lord and we're taking it more seriously, we start to get very black and white in our thinking. And we assume, okay, well then if, if I'm over here and I'm sinning, well then I can't access him. That's why I'm not feeling him right now. I've done something wrong. Okay, maybe, or maybe, the Lord himself sees you, desires you, and loves you so much so that he doesn't want to leave you in this infancy stage. He wants to purify you. He wants to bring you closer to himself. He wants to make sure that you have not fallen in love with the gifts of the giver, but you've fallen in love with the giver himself. Does that make sense? And so what I want to invite you to consider this evening is that it's not about our intellect or our understanding. It's about the heart. Yes, our intellect can be very helpful. Yes, it brings us forward to these experiences, but it's not the only thing, right? So I actually, yes, I'm teaching Christian ethics um, at Loyola University, Moose My Chappelle girls, but apparently here they are, front row, a lot of them. Um, and recently, one of my students came up to me and she said, you know, she was just sharing, it was really beautiful, and she said, you know, I have to admit, I've never had a crisis of faith about whether or not God exists. She said, but I have had a crisis of faith about whether or not God is good. And when she said that, I was like, whoa, isn't that the struggle? I would say that most of us in this room have probably had that experience, am I right? Have you ever felt that? You know that he's real, but you're curious about whether or not he's good? In the catechism, it actually says that in the beginning, in the garden, when Adam and Eve were tempted with whatever that fruit might have been, right, that gift that was not yet time for them to receive, that they let their trust and their creator die in their hearts. That's why they took the fruit. They let their trust in their creator die in their hearts. And so to connect this for you, my question for you is where, in what part of your life, have you let your trust in your creator die? Is it a family situation? Is it a health situation? Is it a friendship situation? Is it you're freaking out about your vocation situation? Which if I can just give a little side note to that point, um, calm down about your vocations. You're in college, you're doing great. Your vocation at the end of the day is actually very simple. Your vocation is to love, period, end of sentence. So wherever the Lord is inviting you to discover that adventure of love, you follow it. You don't have to complicate it, you don't have to intellectualize it, you live it. Sometimes there's disappointments, sometimes there's things you can rejoice in, but I promise you that if you are pursuing love itself, he will continue to bring you forward into his will for you, whatever that is. All the pressure is not on you. That is not a Catholic understanding. That's actually a heresy. They call it Pelagianism and a few other things. But it's not you lifting yourself up by your bootstraps and making everything work out, okay? It's you encountering the God-man. He literally says to Moses, he says, because Moses asks him, what am I to say to them if they ask me who sent me? Because he's calling the people forth out of this darkness. And he says, tell them, in response to what his name is, I am who I am. Tell them, I am sent me. I am sent me. 
So my challenge and invitation for you this evening that I really felt convicted to share is I want you to consider the fact that it's not just in the moments that we are over the moon excited and convinced that God is real, that he is present to us. He's not I am only when we feel good. He's I am in those moments that you feel completely broken and completely forgotten and maybe even abandoned by people that you love. I am, if you look at it grammatically, right? That's, it is, it's existence itself, right? This isn't a talk on philosophy, so I don't have to bore you with the details, but just trust me, this is wild, you guys. He's literally the only being that can say, I am in that way, right? So that's why I'm asking you, what are the things that you're holding on to that seem to be where he can't reach? Because tonight, I wanna speak into that lie and say that is a lie from hell. The enemy is the father of lies. The enemy is also the master distractor. What did he do in the garden? He did nothing but take Adam and Eve's gaze off of everything they could have. Literally, God said, you can have all of this, but this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's not for you at this time, right? We sometimes, myself included, right, we're so busy turning our attention and our gaze to that thing we, quote, can't have. Oh, God doesn't want me to be happy, and the enemy loves to play that card. Oh, if God wanted you to be happy, he'd give you that thing. If God wanted you to be happy, that situation would have worked out a lot better, right? If God wanted you to be happy, your parents wouldn't have gotten divorced. These things wouldn't have happened to you. He doesn't love you. Those are lies from hell. And because you have such a particular role and important place in the kingdom, the enemy hates you. This isn't a joke. It's not a game. This spiritual realm is real. It is as real as us sitting right here in all these chairs that you're sitting in. It is real. He is real. And he has given to us his identity, and his identity is I am. To give you a little story, this is sort of a ridiculous story, and I'm trying to keep it brief, but I like to talk a lot, so bear with me. Um, This past summer, I was able, thank God in heaven, to successfully finish and complete my PhD, and I had to defend in Rome. Really cool. This was a crazy trip for me. So when I got to Rome, I was jet lagged, and I'm about to defend my dissertation, which, you know, it's like seven years of my life, no big deal. And I literally am falling asleep standing up. And I'm like, this is bad, this is really bad, I don't know what to do, and there's no one that I know in the room, so what am I gonna do? And I'm like, Jesus, you know, you start making promises. You're like, Jesus, I'll do anything. Just like, please help me stay awake for this thing. I'm literally going to the bathroom to do jumping jacks and then come back in the room because they couldn't figure out the technology, it was a mess. Somehow, though, I knew and earlier in that day the Lord had said, when it is time to speak, I will give you the words to say. Now, I like to be in control. I like to use my intellect, right, to be ordered. And this was a moment where it was like, it didn't really matter how smart I was. I could not stay awake. So I could not even formulate thoughts. Someone called me to help me, like, go through my thoughts, and I couldn't even finish sentences. And I was like, okay, Jesus, look, this is really cute. Like, as long as you provide for me in this moment, this is great. But if you don't, like, it's only the biggest moment of my life thus far. So, like, please show up, right? I kid you not, when I sat down for this hour and a half thing, um, there were no ums, there were no likes, there were no pauses that were crazy. It was the smoothest presentation I've probably ever given. And that is not because I'm awesome. It's not. I'm not that awesome. That's because God is real. Because he gives to us the gifts within our human nature that we can even have our natural gifts be supernaturalized because that's who he is. Because he is a God who is. He says, I am. 
He was just as present to me then as any other part on the trip. And look, this trip was great. I was able to um, go and visit where Pier Giorgio Frassati vacation in the summer, and where St. Gianna vacation in the summer, and I loved it. However, on my way home, I was in the Canadian airport, and I literally was sicker than I've ever been in my life, knew no one, they hadn't given us water on the transatlantic flight, was not in good condition, which ended up me being, and this is, you know, I'm all aware about germs and I don't like to touch dirty things like any normal person, but I was on the floor of the bathroom in the airport in Canada because I couldn't get up. I didn't know yet, a week later I'd find out I had COVID for like the second time in six months and it really wiped me out. So I'm in the bathroom floor like curled up in a ball with my suitcase and I'm like, Jesus, look, please get me out of this situation. I just need to get the bus to the hotel because they lost luggage, I only had a backpack, they lost our luggage, all these things are going crazy. And I, who literally just came from like this dream trip, am suddenly forgetful. I'm having amnesia, as if the same God who just gave me these crazy experiences isn't gonna provide for me in this moment, right? So I'm like, okay, Lord, look, if you did all that, you can take care of this. So I managed like an hour and a half later to get up, to go to the bus, to sleep for 12 hours in this hotel, come back, get on a plane, and this is what I wanna say about Encounter, this is my point. We have the opportunity every single day to encounter other people. You have the opportunity to look people in the eyes and to have an actual conversation. You don't have to be best friends with everyone. That actually would be insane. I'm not saying to do that. But you have an opportunity to encounter them. I don't know if you realize the power that you have as a human person. If you were made in the image and likeness of God, that means that he reflects himself to all of his creation through you. Literally, do you talk to the barista at Starbucks or do you just take your order and stay on your phone? because there's a person in front of you, right? We need to be able to see people. So I'm on this flight from Canada to Charlotte, North Carolina, and there's this woman next to me and we're chatting. And eventually, like an hour in the flight, I find out she is the lawyer for the whole airport of Charlotte, which I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. How'd I end up next to her? We land the plane. Well, someone else landed it, but we got off the plane. And then we're at baggage claim for 30 minutes and none of our luggage is coming around. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, come on. Can it get any worse? Yeah, absolutely it could. But I'm like, this is so horrible. I really want my luggage. So we wait and we wait. It's not coming. So I follow the woman who would know more than anyone else on the plane, the lawyer of the airport. I just followed her wherever she went. Okay, we all put in these like baggage claim. They had rooms of just thousands of pieces of luggage and they were all left in Canada. So who knows if I'm getting it back, right? Fast forward, I'm staying with my friend Maria. I decide, because I'm over airports at this point, I'm just gonna run a car from North Carolina and drive back down home to New Orleans. So I go to budget.com you know, or whatever, I get the car, I'm going for the cheapest car, because duh, that's what you do when you're poor after getting a PhD, so I'm going for the cheapest car, and I accidentally click Greensville, North Carolina, didn't know that existed, instead of Greensville, South Carolina. Within 60 seconds I realize, call them, like, hey, can you please change this reservation? They're like, no. So then I give them this whole speech about how unjust this is, which they did not care about. And so I was like, fine, I'll pay the extra money. I just, I can't go to North Carolina, it needs to be in South Carolina, okay. So I get to the airport, which is a very tiny airport in South Carolina, and I walk into the wrong building that's called Providence, you'll see why in a second. And there's like four people in this whole little area of badge claim in this very tiny airport, and I happen to know one of them. It's a sister of life named Sister Virginia Joy who's on her home visit that week. And literally I look at her, I'm like, Sister Virginia Joy? She's like, Sarah Denny? I'm like, how does this even happen? And we're like, Jesus, obviously. I haven't seen you in like six years. 
This is crazy. I go from her to budget. I'm standing at the counter. Again, gift of an invitation to encounter the gentleman who is putting in the paperwork for this car I'm going to get, right? Cheapest car on the planet. Well, as I'm standing there talking to him, he asked me some question. I'm explaining. I just finished my PhD, bioethics, da, da, da. He's like, who can I complain to about all the doctors that I don't like? I was like, I don't know. And he's like, no, really, who can I complain to? I was like, that's not my department. Um, but, you know, I'm really sorry for whatever happened in these different situations. And then he looks at me and he's like, hey. He's like, uh, so someone just turned these keys in. He's like, I know that I have you down for a Nissan Altima, but uh, someone turned in keys for a Chevrolet Camaro convertible. Do you want to drive that instead? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? He's like, a Chevrolet Camaro convertible. You know, you can put the roof down, work on your tan. I was like, is this a joke? He's like, no. I was like, come on, how much does it cost? He's like, it's free as long as I put it in the computer. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Take the keys. I walk out. It's red, which just for the record, when I was like 14, I wanted a red Mustang. I know. But I got a convertible for a week. So I walk up to the car. I get in the car and get a text message from the woman who was on the plane next to. And she's like, hey, they just found your luggage. I went into a room of 100 pieces of luggage. I found it. I pulled it. It's in my office. You can get it whenever you want. That for me, maybe not for you, but for me, that's a crazy story. I don't know about you, but like I've never even considered the fact that I could drive a convertible. I literally got nervous when I got in the car because I was like, this is so expensive. This is the most expensive car I have ever driven and will ever drive again. Lord, thank you for this gift. Please do not let me do anything to mess it up. <laughs> Good news is, nothing happened. That was bad. But why do I share that story? I share that story to let you know that God is wild. He's wild in the sense that if you want adventure and you want new beginnings and you want things that are colorful and you want things that are beautiful, he wants to give you the same things. It doesn't always look like the way that we expect, but he does want to give to you good gifts. But that does not mean that we're going to be flying high consistently on these things that are so, quote, good. He wants relationship with you more than he wants you to be just distracted by all the glittery things we could have. Because all of those glittery things will fade away. And then what's left? My question for you is, have you encountered him enough at a deep enough level that when the going gets tough, you realize that you are not alone? My question for you is, are you making time for him, time to actually encounter him, not just putting him to the side because you've got too much to do? The fact that you're here tonight is amazing. Y'all got a number of Halloween parties going on, apparently. That was interesting as I was driving here. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot, college campus. That's great. But you have chosen the better part this evening. You have chosen the better part. When I was 23 years old, I went on my first silent retreat for like seven days. And um, it was interesting. That's a long time to be quiet, especially for someone like me whose head's just bouncing around ideas constantly. And in the second day, I got really frustrated. And I was like, Lord, why aren't you showing up? I need you to show up. And I had this sort of memory of all the things that had happened to me that were really difficult in my life. Same memory that you have. You've had things you've experienced that the Lord did not desire, but he allows. Okay? Things that you've experienced that the Lord did not desire, but he allows. If he is a God who says, I am, he was present even in those circumstances. And our initial gut reaction is to say, well, then why didn't he do anything? The point is he's present within you, helping you to sustain, right, your very existence so that you can move forward through and pass it. 
A verse I want to offer you is from Psalm 139, and it says, Where shall I go from your spirit, and where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, let only darkness cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Even the darkness is not dark to you, for night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. I'm reading that because sometimes we seem to think that if it's been dark, he's suddenly not there. If he is the God who says, I am, that means he is in every single instance that you've ever lived and ever will live. When I was on that very dirty bathroom floor in the Canadian airport, he was there. Didn't plan it the way I wanted it to be, but he was there, right? When I'm driving a convertible down a highway, which is insane, okay? He's there. Guys, don't you see? We are so tempted to feel lonely all the time, or I'd say most of the time, because the enemy's a jerk. That's really simply what it is, okay? He's a jerk. He doesn't like you. He wants to distract you. And the best thing he can do is get you curled up all in these thoughts so that you can't even see what's right in front of you, which is the God who is. The God who is. And I claim over your lives this verse from Romans, and I want you to pray with this later. It's from Romans 8. It says, in all these things, meaning every single thing you've ever experienced, good, bad, ugly, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus. Nothing. No thing. No person. No event. So my challenge to you is in the moments where you cannot feel him, do not stop speaking with him. In the moments where you see his goodness, do not forget to praise him. But even in those moments where you're doubting his goodness, praise him still. My last little story for you is that a friend of mine who I love, she's hysterical, you'd love her too. She uh, used to be in a religious order <clears throat> in France and uh, she one day looked at the sisters and was like, that's it, I'm just gonna run away. Like, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm just going, because she was just so frustrated about something, and that's her personality, right? She's like, that's it, I'm leaving. And the sisters were like, okay. She's like, no, I'm being serious, I'm leaving. And they're like, fine. She was like, don't y'all understand? I'm literally gonna run away. And they were like, you can run away. Just remember that as far as you run, you can never run away from yourself. Think about that for a second. Usually when we're trying to run away, it's because there's something in us that's unsettled, something in us that's very unsettled. But I want to remind you the gift we have that unlike Moses who hid his face, he hid his face. Our God has revealed himself to be a God of mercy, not just a God of sacrifice. Yes, he is just, but he is also very tender. And he wants to encounter you, each one of you, in those places in your lives that are tender but you have got to bring them to him. If we want to encounter another person, right? It seems more logical that we would have to do this, but it's the same if we want to encounter God and even more so. We go with the humility of, this is all I have. 
you encounter him, most especially in your poverty. Where are you poor right now? Is it physically? Is it mentally? Is it emotionally? Is it spiritually? Are you one of those people right now that's like, Sarah, it's everything? That's okay. He loved to sit with those. He said, I did not come for those who are well, but for those who are sick. Where are the places that your soul feels sick? He delights to enter into those places with you. So as our music ministry prepares for adoration, I just want you to consider this. God himself has chosen to become like one of us, not so that he can lord it over us, but so that he can invite us deeper still. He does not do that for show. He does not do that to force you. There's no coercion involved. You are completely free, right? And it's okay if you don't feel anything. It's okay if you don't understand anything. The invitation is for you to put yourself before him. That's all you have to do. It is literally metaphysically impossible to put yourself before the Eucharistic Lord and be unchanged. But remember, it's outside of our intellect. He is the God who is. I say to you tonight, I am sent me to you to say, that place in your life where you feel lonely, he says, I am. That situation in your family where you feel forgotten, he says, I am. The relationship that you're really confused about, you don't know what to do, and maybe you need to walk away, he says, I am. The place where you can't even look at yourself in the mirror because you're ashamed of something, he says, I am. The place where you don't even know how to start praying and you're really tempted to just give up, he says, I am. Let him meet you there. It's the greatest risk you can take, but it comes with the greatest rewards, and you will not be disappointed. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. If you would like to become a golden giver or learn more about what we do, please visit ctklsu.org.